Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, if you're visiting us today, welcome, as we say. We, we are in a series which I've entitled, Your Helper, the Holy Spirit. Your Helper, the Holy Spirit. God has given us the Holy Spirit as a companion, as a friend, as one to be with us throughout our journey on earth. Now last week we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit and this morning I want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and uh, you, you know you might ask well why, why should we be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit on, on a Sunday morning but if you look at, with me at chapter 12 and verse 1 Paul said this concerning spiritual gifts brethren I do not want you to be ignorant see for Paul it was a very important thing that we are not ignorant about spiritual gifts, that we are informed about spiritual gifts. Why would he say that? You know, I think sometimes um, Christians kind of get carried away with gifts as a plaything, you know, almost as toys. But the gifts are the means through which the power of the Holy Spirit is released through us. As we learn what the gifts of the Spirit are, and as we learn to walk in the gifts, we will experience God's power operating through us. And so it was for that reason that Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Now also, just while we're in verse 1, you may notice, um, some of you anyway, that uh, the word gifts is in italics. You see that? When you see a word in italics in the Bible, it means it's not in the original, but the translators have inserted it so that we will have the meaning of that verse without which we might not understand what he's talking about. And it's very clear that he is talking about spiritual gifts because that's the theme for just about most of the chapter. Okay, So really it reads like this. Now concerning the spirituals, because we believe that there are, there, you know, the gifts are grouped. There are groups of gifts. Some of them we call the ascension gift ministries. You've heard of that term, which are apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, their role is equipping the church. Others are motivational gifts, things that motivate us to function in our everyday life. But the spiritual gifts, we believe, are the gifts that cannot be operated at will. They can only be in operation as the Holy Spirit moves upon us in these areas. Okay? Um, for example, I have a ministry gift of teaching. Now, I can use that at will. You know, if there was a subject that somebody said, can you teach on this subject? I would go away, I would study on the Bible, what it says about that, and come back and teach that subject. But these gifts that we're talking about, you cannot operate them at will. They only operate as the Holy Spirit moves upon a person to function in that way. Now, when you go down to verse 7, it says this, that, the, Paul refers to the gifts as the manifestations of the Spirit. He says, but the manifestations of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Okay, so here the gifts are called the manifestations of the Spirit. I like that term because I want you to see beyond the gifts. When we look at the gifts today, don't stop there. Look beyond that and see that they're actually manifestations of a person, a divine person, the Holy Spirit. And uh, that word manifestations can mean actually a showing forth, 
a making visible or a making known. Now what is it the Holy Spirit is making known when these gifts operate? Well, it's his own person. It's the, you know, he's revealing God to us. When the gifts are in operation, we see something of God manifest. In fact, one Bible commentator called them explosions of almightiness. Because when the gifts operate, you see something of the power of God in operation on earth. You see something of the mind of God functioning. You see something of the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God reaching out to others through means of the gifts. So just don't get you know, focused on the gifts, but see at the back of the gifts, there is a person who is moving in our midst and in our world today. Now, in this passage, there are nine gifts that are mentioned. And uh, I'm going to read them to you. Let's, let's read from verse um, 8. It says, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, these nine gifts can be grouped into three groups of three. Okay? The first group are the, what we call the gifts of utterance. Okay? They operate in the vocal sphere. So when God wants to say something to someone, he would probably use one of these gifts, these vocal gifts. That is tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And the purpose is to say what God wants to say. Okay? Then the second group are, we call the gifts of revelation. And their purpose, of course, is to reveal what otherwise would be unknown to us. Now, when God wants to reveal something to us, supernaturally, he would use one of these gifts. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, or discerning of spirits. And in that way, he reveals things that we wouldn't have known otherwise. And then the third group are the gifts of power. And their purpose is to do what God wants to be done. And uh, they operate, of course, in the physical realm. And they are miracles, faith, and healings. Okay? Now, let's have a look at those in each group very, very briefly before we talk about the practical use of the gifts. Okay? Now, we'll look at the gifts of utterance, and last week I shared with you about the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Remember that? So we won't dwell on that this morning, but I want to talk about prophecy for a moment, because prophecy is an inspired utterance. God inspires people to speak forth his word to individuals or to groups of people. It's a prophetic, we call it a prophetic word. God through the Holy Spirit, inspires people to speak out his word. Now the purpose of that is given, if you turn with me to chapter 14, chapter 14 and verse 3, the purpose of that gift is threefold. It falls into one of these three categories. It says, 
He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Okay? So when the Holy Spirit uses someone to prophesy, to give a word of prophecy, it is to edify, which is to build up. It is to exhort, which is to stir up. Or it is to comfort, which is to cheer up. Okay? So that's, that's kind of how you know when God is speaking. It will, be one, it will be doing one of those three things. Stirring up, building up, or cheering up the people of God. Now, often you find that when God ministers this way, there can, we can respond in one of two extreme ways. First of all, you know, some people just glibly accept everything that anybody says as being from God. You know, some people go around all the time saying, God told me this and God said that and God told me to tell you this and God said and God said and God said, you know, and you get a little bit sort of um, tired of it. You know what I mean? Um, and, and so the, the tendency then can be just to, you know, just to accept everything from God and we're not to do that. The Bible says this. I'm reading to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21, but you don't need to turn there. It says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Then it says, Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. So one extreme is to, is to, is to kind of despise prophesying. You know, pour cold water on it. But the other thing is to accept everything glibly. So the Bible says, Test. When somebody comes to you and says, this is the word of the Lord for you, test it. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, first of all, you've got to ask this question, is this scriptural? Does it line up with scripture? Because the Holy Spirit is not going to say something that is contrary to the word of God. Amen? So that's the first thing. And secondly, does it do one of those three things that we just said? Does it edify? Does it exhort? Does it comfort? Does it bring comfort into your life? Or does it disturb you? Does it take away your peace? Does it leave you feeling confused? That's not the Holy Spirit. He doesn't do things like that. Um, then I, another question I would ask is, the person who brought it to you, are they submitted to the body of Christ? You know? There are a lot of people who rove around giving words to people and yet nobody can speak a word into their lives because they're not accountable. And, uh, you know, God doesn't work that way, friends. God works through families. You know, we are a family. So we grow to know each other. We grow to uh, honor one another and, and uh, uh, respect one another and love one another. And then God uses us to speak into each other's lives to build up and to give strength to um, each other. And another thing I would ask is this. When somebody gave you a word, did they do it in private or could others witness the word of God? Because it says in chapter 14 and verse 29, it says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. You know, there needs to be a time of assessing and, and weighing up what is being said. Okay, so the first thing I want to say then in, in regard to the, the gifts of utterance, the main thing is this, be available to God to speak to you or to speak through you through the gift of prophecy. Amen? Be open to that. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe that's something new 
to you. But this is how God works, one of the ways that God works. Be open to God bringing direction and bringing strength and encouragement to your life through the gift of prophecy. Look, at, look with me please at chapter 14 and verse 1. There we're exhorted by Paul, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. See that? There's obviously some strength that God intends the body of Christ to have through the gift of prophecy, through us speaking the word of God, the inspired word to one another to encourage one another and build one another up. Verse 39 says a similar thing. It says, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Desire earnestly. You know, I remember talking to somebody about uh, this and they just said, well, you know, I'm open. I'm open. If God wants to use me, I'm open. Actually, it doesn't say be open. It says desire earnestly. There's something positive, there's something passionate about that. You know, I believe it's important, um, even before we come to church on a Sunday morning, to spend time waiting on God. Say, Lord, is there something that you would have me to bring to the congregation? And that it might be even just for one person that you want to bring the Word of God into that person's life. You know, I believe that we will see some incredible things taking place if we're just available to God. Amen? Now let's move on to the second category, or the second group, and that's the gifts of revelation. We'll start with this gift called the word of knowledge. Understand this, that God is omniscient. God knows all things perfectly, past, present, and future. His knowledge is absolute. If there was something that you could teach God or, or God could learn, he would not be God. God knows all things always. Amen? Now, a word is a fragment of a sentence. It's a portion of a sentence. So a word of knowledge is when God imparts a part of that knowledge that he has of all things and gives it to us by revelation so that we know something that otherwise we would not have known if he hadn't brought us that word of knowledge. And, and, and usually, you know, it does good. It usually results in, in, in uh, as I say, this manifestation of the presence of God so that people are helped and even brought to Christ. You remember when uh, Jesus ministered to that woman of Samaria and uh, he said, go and call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, oh, well said, you don't have a husband. You've had, was it five husbands? And the husband, you, you know that very well, didn't you? You're five. <laughs> Yeah, five. And the husband you've got now is not your own. And what did she say? Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. She, she'd never met him before. He'd never met her before. God revealed it to Jesus. And he told it to her. And she went into the village of Samaria and she said, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And you know what, friends? The whole village came out and heard him and believed on Jesus. All the result of a gift of a word of knowledge operating in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Can you see how these things work? I remember once um, I was ministering in Malaysia and uh, uh, the pastor got all the leaders together. We, we had an evening together and I shared the word and then he said, now Ken's going to bring a word individually to everyone. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> 
and I, I'm, I, I don't come under any kind of pressure to perform, I tell you. I, so I just prayed, and, and, but, but with one particular person, God showed me, I'd never met this young man before, and God really spoke very clearly to me. He said, to say this to him, this is what I said. I said, God has just shown me that, you know, he, he wants to use you, but he cannot use you until your wife is standing by your side. Do you know, the pastor stopped me there. He said, Ken, he said, I want to stop you there and tell you that uh, his wife left him this week. She, uh, in other words, God was saying to him, your priority is to restore your marriage. Don't, don't think about, you know, your priority is not even ministry at this stage. It is to restore your marriage, to, to pursue your wife and to be reconciled to her. Now, God the Holy Spirit revealed that. I didn't know that person from Adam, you know, and yet God showed it. I'll tell you another example. One, one minister that was greatly used in this gift uh, was Pastor Frank Houston. And um, he, I remember he, he shared with us that, um, um, you know, he used to pastor in New Zealand, in the North Island. And there was a time when he was taking some meetings in the South Island and uh, a young couple from his church were on their honeymoon. And they called into this meeting where their pastor was ministering in the South Island. And so he asked them how they were going. And they said, oh, well, we've had a bit of a sour experience. On their honeymoon in the North Island, they went in to swim in Lake Taupo. Some of you know Lake Taupo in the North Island. And while they were in the water, the girl lost her wedding ring. And, you know... It, they were just heartbroken. And so Frank Houston said to them, when you go back, go to the place where you went in, walk in so many paces, and look down, and your wedding ring will be there. So they continued on their honeymoon, or touring around the rest of the South Island, went back to the North Island, went back to Lake Taupo, went to the place where they thought this was about it, where we walked in. She walked out so many paces, like he said to her, look down and there was the wedding ring. <laughs> coincidence. Coincidence. Not the work of God. And, and, you know, when people hear that, they're convinced in the power of God and the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God and His ability to know all things. Now, the word of wisdom is different to the word of knowledge. See, the word of wisdom is directed. The word of knowledge is informative, but the word of wisdom is directive. The word of knowledge brings information, but the word of wisdom tells us what to do in our situation, how to act, what decisions to make. For example, often they work together. You remember when uh, uh, Jesus, in John chapter 11, he heard, or rather, yeah, they, 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 they came and brought news to him that Lazarus was sick. You remember that? And Jesus said, this sickness is not for death, or not unto death, but for the glory of God. But what happened? He died. Lazarus died. So he could have looked like he was wrong. But the whole message was not unto death, ultimately, but for the glory of God. And Jesus waited, and God told him the time that Lazarus had died. And he waited another couple of days, and then he said, Lazarus is sleeping. We're going to go and wake him out of his sleep. And his disciples said, well, if he's sleeping, he's okay. He said, no, he's dead. That's what I mean, he's dead. He's dead. So they went and, and Jesus raised him from the dead. Now, the Bible says this, that after that miracle, many, many Jews came to see Lazarus because they, they were at his funeral. They, they saw him buried, dead and buried. 
And then four days later, he was raised again from the dead. And many, many, many Jews believed on Jesus because of that miracle. Can you see? The gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the power of God. Now the other gift in this section is discerning of spirits. Let me just briefly mention about this. Everything that is said and done is inspired by one of three sources. It's either the Holy Spirit or a human spirit or an evil spirit. It's one of those three that inspires everything that's said and done. You know, Jesus said, no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Remember when Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus said to Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. This is not originated from man. The Holy Spirit revealed it to him. You see that? So that's one source. Secondly, it can be from a human spirit. You know, a lot of people, as I said earlier, say God said this and God said that, but it's just them, really. It's, it's what's in their heart and in their mind and in their thoughts. In fact, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 13, verses 2 and 3, you'll read that God rebuked people in that day because they, they said, the Lord said this and the Lord said that and the Lord said the other. And it was something which had come from their own spirit. They were prophesying out of their own spirit and not the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, that's one possible source. And then the third source is an evil spirit. Now here's an incredible thing. When Paul was walking uh, on the earth, he came to a town, I forget, well, I think it was Philippi. And this fortune teller girl followed him around and kept crying out, these men are the servants of the Most High God and show to us the ways of God. And you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. It's perfect knowledge. I mean, that was absolute truth. All right? But Paul turned round and rebuked her and cast the evil spirit out of her because it was actually an evil spirit that prompted her to say these things. See, Paul knew the way that the enemy operates, you know, you go to place things like seances, you know, uh, spiritist meetings and so on, there is always a measure of truth to hook you. And when you're hooked, you come under the power of that thing and the domination of that thing. And Paul knew that, and so he broke the source of that utterance. Now, I want to say this, you know, um, I believe that most pastors, not all of them, as is evident, but most pastors are given the gift of discernment. I believe that God has given that to me. I don't say a lot, but I know God reveals to me very quickly when, when we have to make a... We've been in ministry for 35 years, and it's not often that we're caught out by people, deceived, I mean, because God gives us discernment so that for the protection of the flock. Amen? The discerning of spirits is for the protection of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, the third gift, the third group, I should say, is the, are the gifts of power. The gifts of power. Um, let me just briefly differentiate between faith and miracles. You say, what's the difference between faith and the working of miracles? Because faith is the Holy Spirit ability to believe God for miraculous intervention, protection, and provision. 
I'll say that again. It's the Holy Spirit ability to believe God for uh, His intervention in terms of provision, protection, and blessing, or whatever that is. Now, there's a difference between faith and the working of miracles, and it's this. Faith is receptive, whereas the working of miracles is active. Okay, so faith receives the miraculous, whereas the working of miracles does the miraculous. Let me give you an, an example and make it clear. When Daniel was in the den of lions, okay, he should have been eaten up by those lions because those that you know, set him up, when they were thrown there, they were, they were eaten up immediately. Okay? But he had faith to receive the miraculous, miraculous protection. He didn't do anything. He didn't fight with the lions. He didn't kill the lions. He just had faith for his preservation all the time he was there. Whereas Samson worked a miracle when he slew a lion. Can you see the difference? One is receptive, the other is active. And I believe that today, you know, God is still working miracles and, and showing forth his glory. Incidentally, when Jesus began his ministry, he worked a miracle. He turned the water into wine. And this is what it says in John's Gospel. This beginning of miracles, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. Manifested his glory. See, the gifts reveal to us something about what God is like. His nature, his desire to help people, his desire to provide for them in their need. He manifested a part of his glory through his miraculous intervention. Now, the gifts of healing, interestingly, two plurals there, gifts of healings. Gifts of healings, because the gift actually is not for the person who's working the healings. The gifts are the, for the people who are getting healed. Amen? And there are gifts of healings, different kinds of healings. And often you find that people who have this gift uh, usually have a good kind of, can I say, success rate or, or fruitfulness in one particular sickness, ministering to people with one particular sickness. There was a stage in our lives, it was quite phenomenal, where um, uh, when we were pastoring in Christchurch, our, our congregation there, we had um, over 300 people in our church, and the, probably the predominant age group was young marrieds. And we had a lot of young marrieds. And, and God spoke to me one morning before I went to church, and he said, pray for those who are barren, those who are trying to have children but cannot. And, and so I gave this announcement and, and I thought a couple were going to come out but 10 couples came out <laughs> 10 couples and we prayed for them and you know what every you know, some of them have been waiting for years and years and didn't think they could conceive and every single one of the 10 couples conceived and, and it was just the thing that God was doing at that time I don't know why just that season and then, uh, you know, as I went out to other churches, I often gave people that opportunity. I remember I went to one church, um, and it wasn't a, a charismatic church. It was, uh, you know, a non-charismatic church, obviously. If it wasn't a charismatic church, <laughs> it was the other kind. And, uh, and I, I said to the pastor, look, I just really feel the Lord wants me to give an opportunity for someone who is trying to have children but cannot, 
And he didn't want to do that in the service, but he said, look, we'll, we'll, we'll just make the announcement, and if there's anybody after, uh, they can see you afterwards. So I said, that's fine. So this couple came up, and I prayed for them, and I never heard a thing from them. And about two and a half years later, um, I, I was invited to speak at the camp, this church camp, for the same church. And I'd forgotten all about that, you know, years ago. I'd just forgotten all about it. And this couple came up to me with a, a beautiful, almost two-year-old boy and said, do you remember you prayed? And I, I just vaguely remembered it. And she said, you know what happened? She said, I was actually bleeding at the time. I was, I was, I've been miscarrying all the time, you know, and this was happening again when you prayed. And when, when this little boy was born, the doctor drew attention to the fact that the placenta had been torn and was healed. And, and that was when we prayed. God did, you could say, a miracle at that time and gave them a beautiful little boy and, uh, in answer to that prayer. And it was just like that was an area where God was using us for a period of time. And, and that, I want to come on now to the practicalities of, of moving in the gifts of the Spirit. And there's two things I want to say very briefly. And the first one is this, that the Holy Spirit is sovereign. The Holy Spirit is sovereign in his manifestations of the gifts. I made that point right at the beginning. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11. You know, there's no pressure to perform. He does it when he moves according to the counsel of his own will. It says in chapter 12 verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Amen. He is sovereign in the distribution. In fact, Jesus said the Holy Spirit is like the wind. You know, the wind blows, what did he say? When it chooses. <laughs> How it chooses. You know, we can go through a long summer here and those, those, you know, those hot winds and think, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a nice southerly wind, bro? But you can't just determine how and when the wind is going to blow. It has a mind, as it were, of its own. And the Holy Spirit is like that. He is sovereign. He is the one who moves according to his will. But we need to balance that out and understand that these gifts are manifestations through human channels. Through human channels. Paul says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Amen? So there's divine operation and there's human cooperation. We've got to see and understand how those fit together. In fact, I want to encourage you this morning. Um, come back with me. Keep your finger there in 1 Corinthians 12. But come back to me with me to the first chapter of this epistle. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And, you know, if I was to ask you which church out of all the New Testament churches was the most carnal, you'd say Corinthians. Is that right? Corinthians. You know, they were taking one another to court. Members of the church were taking one another to court. They, there were divisions amongst them. They were competing with each other. Even with the use of the gifts, they were trying to outdo one another. When they broke bread together, they were really unloving towards each other. And uh, it was just a very carnal church. But look at what Paul says in chapter 1 and verse 7. He says, You came, come short in no gift. You come short in no gift. Of all the gifts of the Spirit, they didn't come behind in any. They were absolutely um, fast, free-flowing. 
with the use of the gifts. So much so that Paul actually had to put regulations on them, say, slow down, slow down. When you're speaking, you know, when you give a gift of tongues, one at a time. <laughs> Let's hear what's being said here, you know? So they are gifts. They're not rewards. Amen? Some people think if I get very, very holy, then God might use me one day. You know, God will never use you if you think that way. Because you're thinking in terms of you meriting the gifts, which is a contradiction of terms. A gift is a gift. Amen? It's something we didn't deserve. It was given to us out of the good heart of God and, and, and it was given for, you know, uh, for reasons that are nothing to do with us. So that should encourage us. If God could use the Corinthians in these gifts, don't wait until you're super, super spiritual before you believe that you could actually be used in one of the ways that I've been talking about this morning. Amen? God wants to use you and, and surprise you uh, and surprise others through you through the gifts of the Spirit. Now, okay then, in, in just the five minutes that we've got left, if, you know, it's a question of divine operation but human cooperation, what can we do to cooperate with the Holy Spirit who is sovereign? The first thing I would say is that we are instructed, and we've seen it twice already, to seek for the gifts of the Spirit. To seek for the gifts. Amen? You know, we've read it twice. Here's another reference. So this is the third time Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse... Uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, I should have said. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. It says, Earnestly desire the best gifts. See, it's not just being open. Because <laughs> oh, I'm open. If God wants to use me, you know, he's got my number. Hey, no, it's a bit more than that. There's, you know, we need to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. We need to see that, hey, this is a part of the package of the Christian life and God actually wants us to be active, involved in the gifts of the Spirit. So we earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, how do we do that? I think this is where a lot of people go wrong. As I was studying this chapter, one thing just leapt out to me and it was this. It's all about the benefit it brings to the church. So it's not an individualistic thing. In fact, the gifts are not for you. They're for the ones that you minister to, that they might be built up and encouraged and blessed. So when we seek them, we seek them as a church. We say, Lord, we seek these gifts in the life and the ministry of our church. You determine how and when and through who you use these gifts, but we need them because you have given them to us. Amen? Now let's go back to our analogy because this will help us to pray more specifically for the gifts. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is like wind. Now, I don't know if you know how wind is caused. Some people say too much sugar in your diet, but... <laughs> But I'm thinking, no, I'm not thinking that kind of way. <laughs> okay. Now, the earth, the earth is, is surrounded by an atmosphere of about up to 500 kilometers. Beyond that, there is the limitless space of gaseous vapor, right? Now, the, so the solar radiation plays upon the lower atmosphere, and we all know that heat rises. 
So as the air from the lower atmosphere rises, it leaves a vacuum. And the cold air from the upper atmosphere swoops down to fill the vacuum. That's how the movement of wind is, wind is caused. So that's how they can predict when there are going to be strong winds and so on, because they can see what's happening with the air currents and so on. As air rises and as it forms a vacuum, it's the vacuum that determines the movement of the wind. Now I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know, it says on the day of Pentecost. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The day of Pentecost, the church had been 10 days without Jesus. Right? After three and a half years with Jesus, they've been 10 days locked in a room without Jesus. And then it says what? There came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Why? To fill that vacuum. There was an intense vacuum in their lives. And the Holy Spirit swooped down and filled every one of them with his presence, the presence of Jesus. Now, if that is how the Holy Spirit works, if he comes to fill vacuums, you've got to say, what is the vacuum in our local church? What are the needs? I mean, I know in some churches, I mentioned to you, that um, some churches, the leadership does not have discernment. And, and, and they are very vulnerable. You can see what happens. And, and you know, nice people, lovely saints of God, and yet they always seem to be deceived. You know, they always seem to run after every wind of doctrine, every latest and greatest in the town. No sense of discernment. And they need the, the, the gift of discernment. Uh, other churches, lovely people again, beautiful, sincere saints of God, but seem to be lacking in wisdom, seem to make wrong decisions. You know, kind of commit themselves to huge building programs that are way over their head, and then all of a sudden, the whole focus goes on the building, and, and they get bogged down with that because of the lack of wisdom. So what would the need be there? To pray for the gift of wisdom, that God would speak and give direction supernaturally, that he would show us the way through. Now, I believe, you know, uh, and I know that in this church, there are a number of folk that have serious sicknesses and illnesses. And wouldn't it be just God to raise up someone with that gift, to fill that vacuum, the gift of healing, to, to set the captive free, to bring wholeness and healing to people that are struggling with, with serious sicknesses? We can pray about that. Why don't you pray that God would reveal the needs of this church and start praying that the gifts of the Spirit would begin to manifest in those areas. I believe that we do need the gift of healing. I, I say that as the pastor of the church. I believe there are serious illnesses here this morning that, you know, it would be just wonderful for the families of those dear people to see God just step in and bring healing in the midst of that sickness. Amen? So the first thing is to seek the gifts. The second thing, I believe, is to set the sails. Let me explain what I mean. There's a... There's a a story of when that great missionary Hudson Taylor was on a boat going to a country where he was going to minister and for many days there was no wind. The, the, the wind was just, it had just dropped there was, and it was a sailing boat 
and, and uh, you know, this boat actually was drifting towards a cannibal island, you know? And it was getting nearer and nearer, and people on the boat could do nothing about it. They were just drifting. And, you know, they could almost see the cannibals kind of getting their knives and forks ready, putting their little serviettes on, and, you know? And, and so, in desperation, the captain of the boat came to Hudson Taylor, and he said to him, you're a man of God, pray for some wind. He said, okay, I'll pray for wind. He said, but you set the sails. He said, but we haven't had wind for days. I'll look silly if I set the sails. He said, what, what do you ask me to pray for then? If you don't set the sails, I'm not praying. What's the point of praying if you don't set the sails? So he went away and he set the sails and Hudson Taylor started to pray. And he hadn't prayed for long. He was just beginning to pray and there's a knock on the door and he said, stop praying. We've got all the wind we can handle. Isn't that amazing? Set the sails. You know, I believe that God wants us to, to set the sails, to live in a, in a sense of expectancy and availability. Availability to be used by God. Uh, uh, you know, uh, an expectation. And, and even, can I say this, a willingness to be ministered to by other people. We often judge what God is doing by the vessel through which he does it. One of, the, one of the most powerful directive words that we received in our lives, and I won't go into the story, many of you have heard it before, but it was just such a God thing, there was no denying it, uh, that was actually instrumental in us coming to Australia. It was, it was the, the, the word that we needed to, to know that it was of God and uh, not of man. It came through someone who was probably struggling the most in walking consistently as a Christian, you know? And we, we tend to kind of grade people like, like really holy people God can use, uh, but others he can't. We just need to be, a, you know, we need to be open and, and really willing to be ministered to by others. And then thirdly, and I'll close with this, it all begin with this, seeking the gifts, setting the sails, and being sensitive to the Spirit of God. That's what we've been sharing in this course, isn't it? Learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Learning to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. When we pastored in Christchurch, we, uh, we, we had, uh, I think it was six daughter churches that we opened. And one of our elders went from our mother church to this church. And he's a very reserved man. Very, very a kind of uh, quiet man. And one day God said to him, as he was looking out of his window, he said, in the home across the road, there are people that need me right now. Go and, and introduce yourself. <laughs> now for someone who's quite reserved and conservative, that was a huge challenge. He said, but what do I do? Like just go and knock? And you know, what do I do? So anyway, he, he had this sort of battle with the Lord, but Eventually, what he decided to do was just get a few groceries together in a little box and uh, he walked across the road, knocked on the door and this lady came to the door and he said, oh, I just, I've got a few extra groceries that we don't need this week, thought you might need them. And she just burst into tear, tears. That day, she had been diagnosed with cancer. Now, I won't go into all the story, but the, he ended up leading her 
and her husband to the Lord and she was healed of cancer because he learned to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit and to be obedient. Let's say the worst case scenario. <laughs> he got it wrong. And friends, you might get it wrong sometimes. You know, God's not going to punish you for getting it wrong. You had to go. What, what was the worst thing that could happen? She gets a few groceries. <laughs> I mean, really, what can go wrong? You know, I mean, sometimes Christians just don't know how to move in the gifts of the Spirit. And so they get all super spiritual. They say, God's told me that you've got to do this. Don't say things like that. You don't know. You might be right. You might be wrong. Let's be honest, friends. We're not that close that we get it right every time. But just say something like, you know, I feel like God might be saying this. Does that witness to you? Is that something God's saying to you? What's the worst they can say? No. So, okay, thought I'd just run that by you. All over. Doesn't matter. What's the problem? But friends, we need to learn to listen to what we think is the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the more we test that voice, the more we will know when he is speaking to us and we can be obedient to him. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Praise God. You know, we give opportunity in our church services every week for people who have never received Christ as their Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, and you'll know if you have, because there'll be a time, a moment, you can even fix a date on it, when you receive Jesus. If you've never done that, and you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior, I'd like to pray for you. Would you like to just slip your hand up now while our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed? If you've never received Jesus before, and you'd like to do that, would you put your hand up? God bless you. Thank you. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Anybody else? You've never done that and you'd like to do that this morning? Just slip your hand up and I'll include you in this special prayer. Is there anyone before we close? Let's pray then. Father, we just want to thank you that the greatest miracle of all has just taken place here today. Lord, I just thank you for this dear person who's indicated her desire to receive Jesus Christ, to be born again of your spirit, to come from darkness to light, from the kingdom of the enemy to the kingdom of God. Lord, I just pray that by the Holy Spirit you'll make these things real to her, that she'll know what it is to have Jesus living in her heart, to possess eternal life, to have the joy of the Lord, which is her strength now and always. Bless her, I pray with the knowledge of what it means to be one of your children. And Father, we do thank you for the teaching this morning. I pray that we as a church will learn to grow in obedience and availability to what you want to do through us and in us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.